So this morning we get to talk about opportunities, and that's one of the things, as a child of God, I think we have more of than other people upon the planet. And there are things that God has. I believe, I truly believe this, guys. Um, Every single human being has a purpose. I truly believe that God has created each one of us. And those who will humble themselves and say, yes, (laughs) you're the creator, I'm the creation, (laughs) I'm here for your glory. They will humble themselves and they will actually seek God, their creator, and figure out what that is. Man, there is a future, there is a hope, there are beautiful things that God has for all that will humble themselves and call upon his name. And it is a privilege. And there are opportunities this morning, I've been praying all week, that God's going to reveal to us, okay, individually, but corporately too. There's so much that God has done in this fellowship and is doing. Um, This August, we're going to be celebrating 10 years already. I know some churches have anniversary parties every year. We're not really like that. We'll do something special this year, um, but it's one of those things, just the opportunities we have, and it's one of those things I love being a part of this fellowship is because we're we get to go, we get to do, we get to live out the gospel, and we get to do that together and encourage each other in that. And it's just exciting to be a part of what God is doing right now at this time in history. I mean, he's doing stuff all over the world, and it's so exciting just to be a part of what he's doing in our own backyard here in the Fox Valley. So we're going to get into Acts chapter 13. I was hoping to get through the whole chapter. We're not going to be able to do that this morning. Uh, We'll cover the first 12 verses together. But if we kind of step back and we look at the overall um, outline of the book of Acts so far, now in chapter 13, this really starts the gospel opportunity to the ends of the earth. The gospel is going forth. And if we look just at this chapter, the outline is really simple. It's opportunities come to those who serve, and opposition comes with most opportunities. So we're going to see that set before us this morning. How many of you guys have heard of the word opportu before? It's a Latin word, opportu. Uh, In the days before modern harbors, a ship had to wait for a flood tide before it can make it into the port. Okay? The term uh, from this situation in Latin is opportu. Okay? That is a ship standing over off a port, waiting for a moment when it could ride the tide or turn the tide into the harbor. Sonny and I got to hang out in San Diego and we were down in the harbor last week. And let me tell you what, some of these aircraft carriers, you know, these big ships, just awesome how huge they are. And it's amazing how far they'll travel. But so much of them coming in is the tide that actually brings them in or carry them into the harbor. You see this word opportu, okay? We have the English word opportunity. So now you guys know where that word comes from. It's derived from this original meaning. So the captain and the crew were ready and waiting for that one moment for which they knew uh, that if they missed it, they would have to wait for another tide to come in. Shakespeare, he turned this background of this exact meaning of opportunity into one one of his most famous passages. It's from Julius Caesar, the fourth act, the third scene. There is a tide in the affairs of men 
which taken at the flood leads on to fortune, omitted all the voyage of their life is bound in the shallows and in miseries. On such a full sea are we now afloat, and we must take the current which it serves or lose our ventures. So, this morning, let's take a look at chapter 11 real quick. Verse 30, we're going to be reading of Barnabas and Saul today. It tells us here that they also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Now jump over. We see now in chapter 12, verse 25, again, Barnabas and Saul, they now returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry. And they also took with them John, whose surname is Mark. And then chapter 13, which is set before us this morning. Look at verse 1. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up by Herod the, or up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate from me Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them their way. So the missionaries' call came when, guys? When did this opportunity for them to go and preach the gospel to those who have not heard, when did it come? Well, we're said here that they were busy serving the Lord. That's when they heard the call. And you might ask, how should I participate in missionary work? I hear you say it all the time, Pastor. <laughs> we're to engage, we're to be a part of it. Either you go or you're a sender, it's one or the other. We need to be in an active role in participation with missions. Well, I'm glad you guys asked. What do we do? We need to read about it. That'll stir us up. We need to pray for it. We need to give towards it. We need to go to it. Even if it's just a short-term trip, let me tell you what, it will stir your heart up. Help others go into it. Encourage your children to go into it. Guys, we have a phenomenal library upstairs. We got our kids' library downstairs. We have all these books. There's a lot more <laughs> there. I just brought up a few and stuff. Um, we have Adoram Judson, okay? He went to Burmese, okay? Phenomenal ministry that took place there. Uh, Gladys Allward, she was a gal. Um, I think she was the one that didn't have any denominational ties at all. No one would support her. She found her own way to go, her own finances to get to China to share the gospel with people. Um, there's a bunch of adults. We have a ton of books uh, for our kids down there. Uh, you guys have heard of George Mueller, right? He, he had a heart for orphans, okay? And he has a really neat testimony. It's good to read. He's a guy who never even asked for support. He just trusted God would provide over 10,000 orphans taken care of. Uh, brother Andrew, another phenomenal brother in the Lord. Uh, Hudson Taylor, you guys know he went to China, okay he'd actually dress up like the chinese just to better fit in so when he preached the gospel to them they would receive okay 
Corey Tenboom, you guys, she she was a missionary in a sense, right? Hey, there's a mission that's needed right here. They are killing the Jews. We need to hide them. Uh, William Carey. There's just so many neat ones. Even for our little kids, little kids, we got DVDs, okay? Goes through a bunch of different characters. Jim Elliott, you guys know that him and what was it, Nate Saint, three other guys, okay? They were ministering to a people in South America. They ended up dying. They died by the people they were ministering to, trying to love on, to serve, to lead to Jesus Christ, that they may have eternal life. They turned around and killed these missionaries, but because of that, more missionaries went back and the people there were finally open to the gospel. Radical revival took place. Uh, William Booth, uh, now, you know, Amy Carmichael, you know, radical things, you know, hard to get over to India. It's just so much going on. If you have not read Revolution and World Missions by K.P. Yohannan, okay, he heads up uh, Gospel for Asia. They're in that 1040 window over in like the most unreached people in the entire world with the gospel, you know, predominantly Hindu, some Muslims there. They have over 50 Bible colleges, over 14,000 missionaries that are going out preaching the gospel. But it's reading things like this that'll stir you up, okay? It's one of those things like Amy Carmichael heard Hudson Taylor preaching on missions in China. How did she end up going because she heard this other missionary share his stories. She got stirred up. I need to go. <laughs> okay? And that's how it happens. But unless we actually put ourselves in a place to be reading, to be listening, hey, I hear some speakers are coming in. You know, some missionaries are going to be speaking. Okay? Sometimes, to be honest, we get a little put out at church. Oh, another missionary here to speak this morning. <laughs> Hope they, you know, hurry up and I just want to get to the sermon today. <laughs> Shame on us if that's our hard attitude, okay? So, so engage. You see, we see God. He calls people who take the time to worship, to minister to the Lord. So want God's direction? Get busy serving. Just be serving him and he'll get you where you need to be. He'll show you what the next steps are. So we see in verse three, really, these guys are commissioned by the church of God, then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So Antioch serves as a base for Paul. He maintains close ties throughout his missionary career. Okay, we see that they were fasting. I believe that's a great practice for believers. It often makes us more sensitive to the Spirit's leading. What is he up to? Maybe you guys are feeling stuck, you don't know what the next steps are, what God's wanting you to do, have you fasted? Have you taken that time to really diligently seek Him? So they were chosen by the Spirit of God. I love that. So, opposition comes to most opportunities. Let's read on in verse 4. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus, and when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they also had John as their assistant. Now, when they had gone through the island of Paphos and found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man, this man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. 
But Elimus, the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. And then Saul, who was also, or also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, Oh, full of all deceit and righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him. And he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. And the proconsul believed. And when he saw what had been done, when they saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. So really here starts Paul's first missionary journey. I got a map up here. You guys probably have it in your Bibles. But this is where they first went off, being sent off to preach the gospel. So time to blaze trails into areas that had never heard the gospel before. So it's east of Cyprus, Salamis, which we saw in verse 4 and 5 here. Uh, Barnabas was a native to Cyprus, okay? 130 mile from port to port. The island itself is 140 miles long. So that's about here to almost Chicago, okay? Give you some perspective on how big it was. Uh, Paphos was the capital at the time. Uh, Two Greek words that we see brought up here for sent, okay? We see one in verse 3, which is pampo, okay? Which is usually a more uh, proactive kind of sending or dispatching. In other words, we see here, it's the Spirit of God, okay? You guys are going. This is your mission, being sent by the Holy Spirit, God himself. And then in verse 4, we see a different word translated for sent, and it's apalu, okay, which is frequently means uh, releasing something that has its own inherent source of energy. In other words, the church. So we see they go, and where do they go first? Verse 5, into the synagogues. This is where we're going to go and begin to preach the gospel, to preach Christ. So their first stop is the synagogues. It really sets the president here for the rest of his ministry, probably for three reasons. The first would be a theological reason. Think about it with me for a second, okay? Uh, the Abrahamic covenant had uh, been nullified. I will bless those who bless you. Thus, Romans, um, uh, Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. To who first? The Jew and then to the Greek, okay? And it's one of those things that holds true today, that covenant that God made with Abraham is an everlasting covenant. I will bless those who bless you. The United States is the only country that stands with Israel. You guys know that? Every nation is against her upon the planet. What's the most blessed country in the world? The United States, <laughs> okay? God's faithful to his promises, to his word. The second thing I see is a social reason, okay? The law of natural affinity, Okay, Paul to his own people. I'm going to go to the synagogues. These are my peeps. These are the Jewish people. And then also, though, I think there's a strategic reason. There were three groups there. We had the Jews. We had the uh, proselytes, which we've talked a lot about. They were born Gentiles, but they converted to Judaism. And then we had the God-fearers, okay, born Gentiles, but chose to maintain their Gentile identity. So the third group really is 
um, receptive to Paul's message as we're going to see throughout the rest of the book of Acts. We see in verse 16 here in chapter 13, then Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. So this is his audience, right? Uh, so Paul targets those who are already seeking. Did you guys catch that? We're going to go to those who are seeking. And it's a New Testament pa- pattern that we really see is seek the seekers. Who's seeking the Lord, right? Who's, who saw it in verse 7 here? Well, Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. Okay? He called. He wanted to hear the word of God. And why? Well, he's an intelligent man. The Bible says, only a fool says in his heart, there is no God, right? The foolish says there's no God. But those of any intelligence, hey, look at creation. Must be a creator. Who is he? I want to figure this out. I want to know. I'm going to seek. I mean, how many people do we talk to, right? Do you know Jesus? Have you heard the good news? Do you know God? Do you have a Bible? Yeah, I have a Bible. Everybody has a Bible. Have you read it? No. (laughs) Why don't people seek? Why won't they read? A lot of excuses, right? So, West Cyprus, Paphos, which we saw in verses 6 to 12 here. Um, Opportunities usually produce opposition. We should expect it, right? Uh, 1 Corinthians 16.9, you guys can jot that down. 1 Corinthians 16.9, a great door for effective work has been opened to me. And there are many who oppose me, (laughs) okay? So Paul there was writing to the Corinthians, hey, great effective work. There's this opportunity, this door that's been opened, but there are so many that are coming against me. And that's normally the way it is, guys. So, um, Bar-Jesus. If he had a business card, it could read this. Elymas, Jew, sorcerer, false prophet, Okay, Bar-Jesus was his Hebrew name, and his Arabic uh, name, Elamas, means wise. So this is what some would really um, call a power encounter, okay, what took place between him and Paul here. In other words, a visible demonstration that the power of God is greater than the power of the spirits worshipped and feared by different individuals. And we see that throughout Scripture. Elijah and the prophets of Baal, I think, is a great example of that. Uh, we just read of Peter. He had to run, uh, run in with Simon Magnus. Here Paul has his Elymas, okay? Um, and here's another example um, of a parable of the terrors. Okay, God showed, uh, sowed some good seed. We have Paul and Barnabas. It took effect. There's fruit coming forth from their lives. And then we have Satan... He sowed counterfeit, okay, seed. <laughs> and that's Elymas here. Um, you guys know that whatever God's doing, Satan always has a counterfeit for it. It's just the way he rolls. He's not original. <laughs> he can't come up with anything on his own. Um, so we always see the counterfeit. And Elymas is one of those. So it was really a clash of two kingdoms here. The kingdom of God against the kingdom of Satan. So the prize... Well, not only the conversion of uh, Paulus, but most likely the opening of perhaps all of Cyprus to the gospel of Christ. Pretty exciting things happening already as they begin their first missionary journey, wouldn't you guys say? 
Absolutely. I want to share a story with you guys. Uh, the year 1269, uh, Kublai Khan, he sent a request from Peking to Rome for, and he said this, 100 wise men of the Christian religion. And so I shall be baptized. And when I shall be baptized, all my barren and great men will be baptized. And their subjects baptized. And so there will be more Christians here than there are in your parts. The Mongols were wavering in the choice of religion. It might have been, as uh, Kublai forecast, the greatest mass religious movement the world has ever seen. The history of all Asia would have been changed. But what actually happened? Pope Gregory X answered by sending only two Dominican friars. And they got as far as Armenia, and they could not endure no longer, and they returned home. So passed the greatest missionary opportunity in the history of the church. There's always opportunities. Are we going to take it? Are we going to take it? It's always exciting when we see people get married. What is God going to do with those two? What's going to happen? As you guys know, Valerie Young and Tobias, or uh, William Tobias, are getting married this afternoon. Okay, and I've done some premarital counseling with them. And it was cool even last night at the rehearsal. We're talking, what's up? What are the, the only thing that was said about them is, hey, they want to do missions. They want to do missions. And I think that's just the coolest thing. Pray for our brother and sister, what God's going to do with them. Yesterday, how old's Amidala, Chaya? 14, 15? 14. She just left yesterday on her own, two months to go to Africa to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be praying for our little sister. Opportunities. They're all around us. What are we going to do with them, guys? When God gives us an opportunity, are we going to cease it? Are we going to seek him? Are we going to be praying? Are we going to be fasting? Lord, what do you want? So, verse 8. Elymas withstood him, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the truth. A lot of those people out there today, aren't there? That brings up a point. <laughs> um, I'm personally going to be stepping away from Facebook. Okay? I've used it for over a decade. I've been able to lead people to Jesus Christ through it. It gets me down. It stresses me out. I hate the debates. I hate the world. I hate the way people cling to things that are so ridiculous, so untrue. <laughs> people are so easily misled. It frustrates the heck out of me. Okay? But it is a phenomenal tool that God can use to get the gospel out too. <laughs> I don't want to lose the opportunity. So what I'm asking of you guys is I'm going to be looking for some to oversee our Freedom Fellowship group page. That's where we go in. It's just for our church. That's where needs are put out there. Prayer requests are put out there. Great way to connect with one another, be praying for one another. Uh, but we also have a page out there that's open to the public. Hey, great opportunity for us to get our teachings out there, or quotes or things to challenge, let people know about different events, different things that are going on. We have the food pantry. We have all these different things 
um, out there. And I'd love for some of you guys who'd be willing to step in. Hey, I'd love to oversee that part of Facebook for the church. Opportunity to get things out there um, and work with me just to continue to use that great opportunity. <laughs> but for me, I'm going to be stepping away from it just because it's kind of gotten ugly. But it is one of those things we have opportunities, okay? And that's just one platform in life that we have an opportunity. And I want to encourage you guys to go for it because we live in a day and an age where we don't want to offend people. Anything goes, it seems like, except talking about Jesus. That's one of the things. You want to you know, lay down a truth and stand upon that truth. <laughs> it's going to offend people, especially when it's Christianity or about Jesus. And that's one of these things that this guy, hey, I'm going to spout off all this stuff because we don't want people coming to the truth. We're going to come against you. And why? Because if he failed, he'd be out of a job. That's Elimus' problem here. So no need for a court magician if these guys get saved. So when you open heaven, you also open hell. That's just a reality. I guarantee you, if you step out in what God's calling you to do, you become a bigger target for the enemy. Okay? You might be able to get away with whatever you're getting away with right now. Life is pretty comfortable, pretty easy. Step out into what God's calling you to do. You're going to start getting attacked in ways you never thought were possible. But that's just the way it is. Why? Because there is a war going on. A lot of people don't want to recognize that, but there is a war over the souls of men. People are dying every day and they're either going to heaven or hell. <laughs> and Satan knows his hour is getting late and he's trying to take down as many people with him as possible. That's why we see things that are so ridiculous, you know, able to grab ground and have forward movement. Okay, some of the things going on in our world today, is just like, how can this even be happening? How is this even allowed? Well, it's because Satan is the God of this age. And of course, we're going to see things that are just absolutely lies no basis of truth, no logic, no reason, because he is the father of lies. That's just the way he rolls. So, amen. <laughs> and we get to live in that victory. So, verse 9 says, Saul also called Paul. So Saul Latinized his name. That's what he did here. Um, I want you guys to be real with yourselves. I don't want you to tell me, okay? Um, but would you... Be willing to change your name to Muhammad if that meant winning Muslims to Jesus Christ. As Paul moves closer to the center of the Roman Empire, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, switches his name. I think that's pretty cool that we see that happening right before us here. Verse 11. And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. So I wonder if Paul was surprised when this came rolling off his tongue. Like, <laughs> did he have any forethought in this? Did he pray and meet with God and had this spoken to him earlier? That this was going to happen? Or did he just open his mouth and this is just what came out? Often that's what happens when the Lord gives a word to speak. And sometimes, guys, when we just step out there, don't know. <laughs> 
Don't know what to say. Don't know what to do. I just know my, my God's calling me to go to be a part of this. You just show up and you never know what the Lord's going to do. Six years of counseling some of the probably hardest cases here in the valley. Just abuse, messed up childhood upbringings, messed up lives, <laughs> just messed up people doing messed up things, having to sit down and to counsel them. What am I to say to them? What, <laughs> what, what can I give them? What, what's the answer? And the coolest thing, guys, before I sat down with the first person uh, to counsel some six years ago, the Lord already told me what the answer was going to be for every single person I ever met with. And it was such, <laughs> such a needed thing for me personally because it was very overwhelming and still is. I still get to go up to the jail once in a while. But the answer, guys, it's Jesus. He is always the answer. So before sitting down with anybody and hearing their story, what they're going through, I already knew the answer, what they needed. And that's the beautiful thing that we have as believers, guys. And sometimes we don't think we're, we're qualified enough or we haven't learned enough or we're read enough. No. <laughs> we have the hope of the world. We have the thing that every single person upon this planet needs. And that's what we get to share with others. We get to share him with others. So there's times we just show up and <laughs> see what God does. Um, and oftentimes he'll give us words. That's one thing I've experienced. You know, there's even times on a Sunday morning, oh, Lord, I'm not prepared. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know how this is going to come off. It just, I just don't feel good about this. And then just like, oh boy, we got a little sidetracked this morning. But obviously God had a word, something that was needed. I want us all to turn to 1 Corinthians 16. I just shared this with you guys, but I want you to mark this verse in your Bible. And there's another scripture we'll look at in uh, the second letter to the Corinthians. But the first one, 1 Corinthians 16, 9. I'm going to read this out of the NIV version. As you guys know, uh, I teach out of the New King James. But I like how the NIV put this scripture. It says here, A great door for effective work has been opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. So a door is a metaphor for what? Opportunity, right? A door is open. An opportunity is set before me. Now jump over to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. I want to tie these two together here. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. He says, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord. So if we think about these two scriptures, okay, effective work, so effective or adapted to success, and then an open door, to be open or literally stands wide open, if you look it up in the Greek, wide open, Open infers here to doors, okay? If it infers to these doors, that means they are and can be shut too. We need to understand that. I see some Christians, they've been at the same door a long time, <laughs> trying everything to get in. Why won't this door open? I know she's the one. Why doesn't she get it? You know, it's just some of the things 
people try and try. It's just like, man, there are doors that are closed and we have to be okay with that. Alexander Graham Bell said this, when one door closes, another opens. But we often look so long and regretfully at the closed door that we do not see the one that is opened for us. Pray fast. Lord, what door have you opened? But that door doesn't make sense. Don't we say that a lot? This is what I do. This is what I know. This is what's comfortable. But I've made you. (laughs) I've wired you, my son, my daughter. (laughs) And you're perfect for this door. (laughs) This right here. So are there any doors in front of your face at this time that you're still staring at? Is it not a great way to pray and to ask the Lord to open and to close doors, opportunities regarding His direction for your life? There are many adversaries many a pessimist is one who sees difficulty in every opportunity an optimist is one who sees opportunity in every difficulty so when you find an open door it doesn't help you unless you walk through it right you got to walk through it exodus 14:15 declares this and the lord said to moses Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Okay, that's the Red Sea crossing. Hey, go! And I believe God would say that to you and I this morning. Go forward. The door is open. Go. So any doors you're trying to kick down? Are there any doors that you've been standing in the threshold Any opportunities that you haven't taken because of fear? Because of fear. You guys know that perfect love casts out fear. Do you guys know we love him because he first loved us? Dad, you love me. You're telling me to go. And because I love you, I'm going. You don't have to figure it all out. You don't have to calculate if it's going to work. You just told me to do it, Dad. I love you. I'm going to do it. Pretty simple. That's the fear of the Lord, guys. Okay? There's unhealthy fear and there's the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is not being scared of Him. It's fearing you're my dad and I don't want to do anything to hurt you. That's all it is, guys. So verse 12. It, it, it was what he saw, right? Verse 12. And the teaching of the Lord. So a report came back from the Himalayas recently and it said this. The Western missionaries brought us the knowledge of God. But the third world missionaries are bringing us the power of God. When I read that, that hit me. I'm like, that is so true. I desire to go over to Africa someday. We have a brother, Jonathan Men, who's been going over for years. And what he's doing, he's teaching the word of God to pastors, teaching pastors how to study the word and teach the word themselves to their people. 
Okay? I feel like that's in my wheelhouse. I'm like, yeah! Teaching other men how to study and teach other men. That gets me excited. I'd love to go over there with them someday to be a part of those conferences. But when I read this, I'm like, that's exactly it. I want to make sure everybody has it exactly right. Because everybody has to have it exactly right so they can know the truth. And if they know the truth, then they'll be free. They'll know Jesus. That's good. But then I read what God's doing around the world, what he's doing in a lot of the third world, places that don't have anything, people who are broken, who are truly humbled, who have to be dependent upon the living God and the way God is able to move in power. We're missing something. You see, without the working of the Holy Spirit, verses 2, 4, and 9 here, guys, our orthodoxy, our churchmanship, our talents, it's all worthless if the Holy Spirit isn't a part of it. You guys understand that? Absolutely pointless. So he calls, he commissions, he equips. That's what I'm loving in the book of Acts. <laughs> Do you see? It's the working of the Holy Spirit. It's the acts of the Holy Spirit. It's not the acts of the apostles, of the believers. No, this is what God is doing through his church. That's exciting. It sure was back then, 2,000 years ago. Remember years ago, I used to do youth ministry, and our, our youth uh, group ended up uh, being called doulos, okay? And I'm the youth pastor. I'm like, man, we should go with what I want. <laughs> but we opened it up. We threw out some names that were suggested, and doulos means a bondservant of Christ, which is really cool. These kids just wanted to serve the Lord because they love the Lord. Um, but I wanted, and I was pushing for Acts 29, I'm like, how cool would that be? Because there's only how many chapters in Acts, guys? 28. And I'm really, 20 years later, under the conviction, guys, that God is still at work today through his church. I absolutely believe that, guys. And some people in the church don't. They believe that the power of God, the gifts of God, that all ceased with the early church. That's come to an end. Shame on us if we believe that. God is still doing radical things. The gospel is still going forth. And you guys know that today, I believe that today, the world is being reached more than any other time in history. And it's because we have the internet. <laughs> We're able to go to countries and to people who've never heard before just because of technology. There's an opportunity. So, the proconsul believed. You guys think that's pretty cool? I think that was awesome. So he stepped over the line here, right? The gospel line. So have you stepped over the line that marks life and death? We need to proclaim the gospel to people. I know some Christians that are great at loving people. Great at loving and serving people, being there for them. And what our brothers and sisters are doing, they're trying to witness but all they're doing is they're loving people into hell because they never open their mouth and share why they're loving and serving. Never share their God and what their God has done for them to set them free. How they receive the gift of eternal life. 
Do you guys understand without the gospel, it's pointless? We need to preach. We need to lay down the line. Hey, <laughs> I love you and I love you to tell you enough or tell you the truth. You need to know. You need to repent and turn to Jesus. Otherwise, hell is going to be horrible. <laughs> um, Jesus loved us enough to tell us the truth. Life's kind of like a bookshelf. Okay, which guy's a picture of bookshelf here? Okay, top shelf. We could put our international heroes up here. Okay, those would be you know people that have lived extraordinary lives that everybody knows. Hey, we got Gandhi, we got Mother Teresa, Billy Graham. <laughs> you know, we all know these people. They're up on the top shelf, and the shelf just below it will have maybe our national heroes, people that you may know of your own people, but not. Everybody knows about them, okay? And then our next shelf, these would be decent, our ordinary people, okay? The people that, hey, we're going out of town. I trust you with my house keys. Can you come in and water my plants and feed my cats? Those type of people. You guys know what I'm talking about? Those ordinary good people. On the next shelf, a little bit lower, um, we have those people that are getting closer to the edge, Okay? Uh, they're the ones that get a little creative with their taxes. Okay? Uh, you never would borrow your car to them. And then the next shelf, okay, we're getting down towards the bottom. These would be people who steal for a living. Okay, Those people. And then the bottom shelf, those would be the people that are just evil. They want to cause pain. They want to harm other people. Kind of like dentists. Um, so question if God gave you a pen where would you draw the line of judgment where would you draw the line of judgment wherever you draw the line is where people would get in where is good enough where should the line be you know just the really good ones <laughs> the ones who tried you know, not stealing, I've done that. But being evil, maybe the line needs to be... Where would you put the line? How far down the bookshelf would you go? At what point would you draw it? You see, God will draw a line on Judgment Day. Yet, He doesn't draw it horizontally. Okay? He draws it vertically straight through the middle of the bookshelf. On one side, you have people who led imperfect lives, no matter how noble or who were uh, all offered forgiveness, and they received it. And then on the other side of the line, you have people who have led imperfect lives, who were offered forgiveness, but rejected it. So what side of the line are you on? Pretty simple, isn't it? I would like to give you this morning opportunity. As you stand off of port, now is the time to ride the high tide into God's harbor of hope. Let's stand together.
Father, we're thankful for how your word just opens our hearts and our eyes. I know I, I personally, um, I feel nearsighted. Um, things are very narrow often. I lose uh, just the concept of the big picture, which um, is often found as we open your word. Lord, you give us that eternal perspective. And we're sorry for how we live in the temporal, the here and the now. We get our eyes so stuck on ourselves and our own situations. Father, I'd ask again that your Holy Spirit would just reveal to each and every one of my brothers and sisters just those doors that you have opened for them to walk through, the opportunities that you give to us. And help us to discern when those come up. Sometimes, God, it's so easy to get caught up in the rat race, just the busyness of life, that when they present themselves, we don't even see that they're there. Um, help us to just be in step with your Spirit, God, to discern what you're up to and how to be a part of it. I do pray, Lord, that you just, um, yeah, finish that work that you've begun in us. We know it's a good one. All we can do is just yield and say yes to you, to follow you closely. And we, help, and we just ask for that grace and the mercy to do so. In your name, Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right. Our benediction from Acts. So now, brethren, I commend you to God into the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified.